Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Basketball Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. One of the greatest heel moves of all time, Carolina wins. (laughs) Tar heels and wrestling heels. With SI's Pat Forty. That's the hot trending topic in college basketball. Who can and can't get along in the handshake line? Here's Pat and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. March Madness. Pat, you are uh trotting it. You're at the Duke Carolina game, which we have to get to. Oh, we'll get to it. You bet. Including the handshake kerfuffle. Handshakes are big, <laughs> big this year. We yeah, that's the that's the hot trending topic in college basketball. Who can and can't get along in the handshake who, line? Who knows how to shake a hand, right? <laughs> Your dad teaches you how to shake a hand like that's a man. Right. You're supposed to shake the damn hand. Or that's not. right. Uh, God, there's a bunch of snowflakes <laughs> in college basketball. <laughs> And now you're in Vegas for what is absolutely like the college, almost a college basketball dream. Yeah. Right. Like a week in Vegas and you're watching West Coast Conference, Pac-12 and Mountain West all in one city. All in one city. Remember when the NCAA hated Vegas? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eventually they'll have a final four here. Book it. Literally and figuratively book it. You might as well stay awake because the opening weekend of the big tournament in yeah. Vegas is one of the best weekends. I did it once and it was. Did you do it? Yeah. Ooh, it was so good. See, this week will be great, too, because there's more tournaments. There's more teams. More games. Yeah. You know? A lot of ways, this is the best week. If you're if you're yeah. a, a diehard that just really likes college basketball, this is the best week because there's just so many games. Yeah. All day, every day. And you get the the fun of like, you know, I, I did a number of years. I'd go to the Metro Atlantic or the Mac title. Like I try to do a little of both, like the excitement of those. Saw them yesterday or Sunday with the Valley and uh, I don't know, whatever league uh, Longwood is in. Yeah, Big South. Big South, Big South. Mm-hmm. But then you also, it's just great. But it, obviously a lot, only some of those games are like do or die. Right. So, right. but it's, it is a great teaser. You can just, you can just, just overdose on college hoops this weekend. Yeah, last no. four in, last four in. We can finally <laughs> do last four in. You know, I have a, a great <laughs> hatred of last four in. Yes, because they start in December, <laughs> March. It makes sense. It makes sense now, although everything can change. Yeah, but I hate last four in. It's just this terrible gimmick. ESPN, I think this year toned it down. Maybe they listened to me. I don't know. There was, there was way too much last four in in like mid January. Yeah. You're like, well, yeah, but if they go on a five-game win streak, they're now no longer last four out. Or yeah, 
Yeah, we're I'm actually we're combining Wetzel pet peeves here right now, right here, right now. We got last four in, really? first four out, all that okay. business. Hate it. And yep, hate it. I am podcasting from my bed in a boutique hotel in Las Vegas because whoa, whoa, they don't whoa, whoa, have a whoa, whoa. desk. Pat, 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 pat. Whatever happens in Vegas stays. I don't want to know what's going on in your bed <laughs> in Las Vegas. Okay. <sighs> it's a pretty benign story. It's just me oh, and my okay. and my podcast equipment here. Okay. All right. So, as long as it's but, G-rated. My God. You just got there like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I know. I you know. have no desk in your room? No desk in the room. No Is desk. It a Marriott? It's a Marriott. It's a boutique Marriott thing, though. Mistake. So, uh, yeah, if you're coming out here, look, the English Hotel looks actually very nice in a lot of ways. But if you actually want to do any work, which I need to do a lot of this week, no. You got a nice, like, orange suede chair and a some sort of animal fur blanket, but no desk. You do not want to know what happens on a suede chair <laughs> with an animal, an animal fur blanket in Las Vegas. No, no. You'd much rather have a desk. Uh, long time, I don't know what, followers of mine? I don't know. I uh, Back in 2015, I waged a war against Marriott. It was me versus Marriott. Uh, I showed up at a ACC uh, football championship game in Charlotte. Checked into the city center Marriott in Charlotte, and there was no desk <laughs> to work with. There was no desk, and I called down. They said they were removing the desks uh, from all Marriotts because millennials didn't like working at desks, <laughs> and or they it was better to hang out in your room with more chairs. I have no one to hang out with. All right? <laughs> the people who stay at city center Marriotts are a bunch of guys that look just like me. They slub around traveling work they got like they got you know sales say they're salesmen they're you know this is not the the cool place no they took them out of the airport marriott in newark like that what hip millennial is, is hanging out at the airport marriott in newark <laughs> two types of people stay at that hotel business travelers and people got lost in that maze of roads around that ho- that <laughs> airport it's a disaster <laughs> and just ran out of gas and had to stay at the airport Marriott at Newark. No one goes, hey, we're all cool 26-year-olds. Let's go hang out at the airport Marriott. <laughs> Nobody. So I waged a war, a, a PRK offensive against them, and won. You did win. I beat Marriott. <laughs> they, they they put the desks back in. That's like the Ukraine beating Russia, man. It I mean, really was. You the were up against big odds. But. The Associated Press ran a story about Marriott putting the desks in, and in the third graph was a quote from me. I was the lead quote. <laughs> Single greatest accomplishment of my life. It really is. I can't the think of anything else you've done noteworthy. That's Not it. Not much, but yeah. I did that one. I beat Marriott at the desk game. The so general Wetzel of the Marriott resistance. I even used <laughs> Vegas as an example because I used to stay for fights sometimes at the Marriott Vacation Club mm, on mm-hmm. the Strip, which literally is probably the one hotel you could go, listen, this is not a business hotel. <laughs> they right. still had a little table or desk, something. Yeah. And now you're telling me that I may have to take up this fight again. We must yes. be vil- vigilant yes. against backtracking Marriott. We must hold them accountable to their promises of 2015. We, we have a new wedding in Vegas. A new front in the campaign. Absolutely. You so, need a desk. You need a yeah. desk. I do. Everybody needs a desk. If you don't need the desk, fine. What? It's like, what's the extra space for? I I don't know. I, I mean, like, there's only so much room I need for my animal fur blanket. 
You know, I, cannot I, I touch that thing. Yeah, this is uh, very problematic looking around here. I, I don't know what I've gotten myself into. All because I plugged in a, a couple of rate codes and this one mm. came up good. Getting what you paid for. Yep. Plenty of good Marriott's just off the strip with the little tram that runs right into yeah. it. Take you to T-Mobile, take you to MGM. Very uh, bad yeah, planning on bad, my part. Bad job by Pat, but that's all right. You have yeah. a week in Vegas on the company dime, so I do. Uh, have we that. ain't feeling too bad for you. <laughs> All right, let's get to the uh, the exciting Carolina Duke game. Oh yeah, incredible fanfare. Uh, I thought the beginning of the game was good. Having all the players there, Coach K comes out. He does all that. Then he goes back in, and they, they kind of get that out of the way. They play the game. One of the greatest heel moves of all time. Carolina wins. <laughs> Tar heels and wrestling heels. Yes. I think it's the best win in the history of the rivalry for North Carolina. Some people were pointing to some 1974 game where they scored a bunch of points and came back. I'm sorry. I did not watch that one. But if we're, we're debating things from four, I, I respect that. That maybe was the best victory of Carolina over Duke. But to ruin Coach K night is just phenomenal. And the, the Duke players just looked so tight at the end of the game. North Carolina did not. They played a great game. Their starters got it done, and they and they won it. So your thoughts on the scene there, Pat? What what do you take from it? Yeah, I mean, boy, certainly one of the most memorable, really maybe the most memorable regular season college game I've ever covered. Just from the time I got, I got there Thursday because Kay always talks on the Thursday before the Carolina game. Can't do it on Friday, does it on Thursday. Fine, so you get there early. And he was really good, you know, there at the press conference, uh, you know, willing to, he he was not Nick Saban about it. And in the end, maybe he should have been Nick Saban. Where Saban, if this were Saban in his last Iron Bowl, he would just be glaring daggers at anybody who tried to ask him questions about it being the end for him. He'd be like, you know, screw that. I just want to talk about beating Auburn. Kay didn't do that. To his credit from a media standpoint, but maybe to his detriment, is that I think this thing was so big and hyped and grandiose and ambitious and really cool that I think it got to everybody. I think it got to him, and I think it got to his players for sure, you know, that you walked around campus. First of all, campus was emptying out of most of the students because it was going to be spring break. But a bunch of them stayed because they got tickets for the game. And so there were them. And then I've just never seen so many visitors on campus about anywhere, you know, other, other than a football Saturday. And this was not a football Saturday. So I just think there were a ton of people that either had tickets or just wanted to be around, you know, like some of those big SEC football games where you get 120,000 people in town and 100,000 in the stadium. So that was going on. And then, you know, I mean, ESPN has an absolute army covering campus and you just got the feeling like this is a huge festival sort of event. And it kind of overtook the game. And one of the things Thursday, all the questions for Kay, there wasn't one question about North Carolina. Nothing. It's like they were a complete afterthought to this whole thing. And I'm sure North Carolina felt that. And I think Duke felt that. And it worked different ways for, for both sides. You get there Saturday. I mean, the Krzyzewskiville scene was incredible. The, the, you know, the college game day stuff was fantastic. And then you walk in and you see all those players. And look, nobody's had more great players in the last 40 years than Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. So maybe maybe some other people have had more pros. Eh, maybe they've had more yeah. pros. But Carolina but, and Kentucky can go toe-to-toe with those two. Yeah. I mean, they, but I mean close. But close. Carolina had Michael Jordan, so that's yeah. that's that's, that's a Trump card. It's like three or four baddies. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you're if you're if you're coming up with a weighting scale, Michael Jordan is four and is, a half Dunleavies. <laughs> yeah, about twelve and a half Dunleavies. Okay, yeah. But anyway, and then you see them all lined up there, and it's like, wow, okay, that's five national championships and twelve Final Fours worth of dudes. And I will say, Cherokee Parks was hilarious, tattooed like head to toe, and having the greatest time of his life. He's like looking around, waving, taking video of everybody. It's like. He was just having a big old time, uh, kind of a, a hippie flower child from the 90s teams. But so anyway, we get through that and it is incredibly loud in there, incredibly loud early on. My right ear is still ringing from being there two days ago. And kudos to Carolina for A, coming out at them. And again, I don't think Duke was fully ready, but then staying with it. They got down, they come back, they get down the second half, they come back. And Duke just, I think that they expended too much emotional energy early on just with everything going on and didn't have much left at the end. I, I know that 74 game or whatever they were talking about where they scored, I think it was like nine points in 17 seconds and there wasn't even a three-point line. Pretty incredible, but no. This, you beat Mike Krzyzewski, the winningest coach in history and the biggest thorn in the side of Carolina ever, that way on that day, that's it. That's got to be the most satisfying win Carolina's ever had in this rivalry. And probably outside of the NCAA tournament, the most satisfying win, one of the most satisfying wins they've ever had, period. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they've never met in the NCAs. They haven't met in the ACC tournament. But I mean, this is just, and you ruin the party a little bit. You know, they're going to have this big old thing. They, and all the players there, all these Duke alums spending 80 grand on tickets or whatever they really spent, probably five, ten. I don't know. How much did Seinfeld? Why was Seinfeld there? Do you know why Seinfeld was there? I have no idea. So Seinfeld was there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a great scene. It was a it was mm -hmm. a fun game. And uh yeah, there was this whole bit like, oh, Carolina, because Carolina looked like they're about to get blown out at the end of the Oh, game. yeah. Yeah. Then they rallied. And then I just think Duke, yeah, Duke got tense. And then yeah. it was like, oh, Carolina's making it a game. This is good. And then it's like Carolina, they could do this. And then it's like, you know, oh no. Like, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> and Krzyzewski was so angry in the post game, oh. trying to fake it. Yeah. <laughs> it was all family, this whole family yeah. speech. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, it was, I could tell that was not how he wanted that to go. He didn't oh, no. really have a whole lot. To, he had some prepared remarks, kind of. But when he came out, and the first thing he said is, I'm sorry about what happened. The that was good. Like, yeah. That was good. Yeah. I was you like, yeah, you've, you have been made. You know, the center of the biggest party Duke's ever thrown and, and the whole thing just gets obliterated, you know, by a team that was an 11 and a half point underdog that is not a very good North Carolina team, period. So and that was when they when Krzyzewski came back out and they brought the players back out and the players all sat up where North Carolina had sat on the bench. The looks on their faces, oh. it was like. 12 guys that had just wrecked their parents' car. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we are in so much trouble. We're the worst. Tomorrow oh, my God. morning is going to yeah. be Like, we yeah. were hoping yeah. Kay would have a little too much red wine tonight. Practice <laughs> got delayed to like two. Nope. Yeah. No. 7 a.m. Sprints. Yeah. We suck worse than anybody has ever sucked. Oh, my God. This is going to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was rough. Okay. So part of the uh, deal. Uh, was a post-game handshake that did not occur between Chris Carrawell, uh, head coach, uh, Carolina head coach Hubert Davis. Uh, and then uh, it looked like Nolan Smith kind of did this handshake, but look away. Yeah. Davis uh, looked stunned at the, the non-handshake. 
So the Raleigh News and Observer reported that Chris Carrawell uh, was not happy that Davis did not shake their hands before the game. And then uh, there seemed to be some uh, other reports about uh, there was a disappointment or an anger or uh, a, a, an offense by Duke that um, uh, Duke played its final games in Chapel Hill earlier this year. Uh, Carolina barely made any recognition of Coach K's uh, retirement, and there was certainly no gift or little pregame ceremony. Hmm. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Whether Duke was really upset about that. Pat! What is going what, what is happening? First off, <laughs> you have to shake pregame and postgame. I think Hubert Davis had to walk into this. Like, it wasn't a normal game. You didn't know who what to do. <laughs> yeah, right. There's too many people there and all that. So I don't blame him for that. But do you, do you have to give recognition to your arch rival? Should should Carolina have given a rocking chair or done one of these things or thank you, Coach K, when when he visited Chapel Hill? What is what is the etiquette here on this, Pat? <laughs> I, I don't. I, Carolina can do whatever the hell it wants with Coach K when he comes to their gym, and if they don't want to do anything, that's fine. If Duke wants to take offense at that, now here's this is. This is the one thing about Duke and Carolina, which I just laugh at, is they both are very sensitive on matters of class and who has more <laughs> class and decorum because they not only want to be good, but they want to be the classiest, which, of course, ignores academic fraud and Zion Williamson and a lot of other things. But still, you know, I, class. They, 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 they get so wound up and worked up about exactly these kind of things. It, it is truly hilarious. Now, I do like Chris Carwell, grow up, shake his hand. Don't be an imbecile. You know, I, it is not hard to walk by, shake it. You don't, you don't, if you don't want to, you know, smile at him or whatever, you, you know, you don't have to, but do the deal, walk through the line, shake the hand, move on. And then, yeah, Nolan Smith with his best look away since uh, he was passing as the point guard at Duke <laughs> there. Oh, that's just silly. That's, you know, but, but as we know, Coach K has often been the self-appointed arbiter of decorum and class in uh, in college basketball. He's not af not afraid to lecture people if he doesn't think they're doing things right. But on this instance, I don't think his assistants were doing things right. And if I were Hubert Davis, I mean, I would laugh it off because I I got the I got the W, and that mattered most. But still, it's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, this this nonstop uh, handshake, how to handshake, should we handshake? Uh, we need an NCA subcommittee on this to rule. Like, <laughs> They'll come up with one by 2036. Oh, my head. College basketball coaches, come get over yourself. Yeah. Uh, just shake the hand, please. Just exactly. Uh, not that hard is one. Hubert, yeah, Hubert David should just laugh. The fact he got under their skin, I love it. Yeah. Love it. And that yeah. was a huge win for Hubert Davis. Absolutely. That could propel Hubert Davis because look at this season. Okay. But this is, you get the Carolina job. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Yep. Too much is given, much is expected. They were not, not that great. They haven't been that great. This was the signature. You got your signature win. I'm guessing that'll be, I don't know what the TV ratings were, but the highest rated game. Everyone's talking about it. Huge. You can recruit off of this. Absolutely. Huge game for Hubert Davis's career. Yeah. Massive. And you got it. And now you got Carowell upset and, and, and Kay's gone. And we're going to see what John Shire's got. They're bringing in, you know, they got a great recruiting class, but, you know, that's only going to last if you're winning. Yep. So there's a lot of lot of heat on all that. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, that uh, Hubert, Hubert 
needed that win. It's not like he, he was going to get fired or anything, but people had been very underwhelmed by his first season. They had a pretty good amount of talent back, and they really weren't very good. They were on the bubble going into that game. They're in now. You win in Cameron against a team that could be a number one seed or number two seed. You're in. But they were dicey. They got blown out by Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh sucks. They got blown out by Wake Forest. They got blown out by Miami. They got blown out by Kentucky. They just hadn't done much, and now they did something epic, you know. And so Hubert, that 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 was his arrival as a guy. Now Carolina fans are guaranteed looking at him differently than they did before Saturday at 6 o'clock. Huge win in the programs, uh, the two programs, which will always be measured against each other. No, no doubt. And next year's first couple, first two games between Shire and uh, Davis will be will be similarly like very, very important uh, on where you're going. You, you can't be the best in the country till you best in your backyard. And uh, that's that's the beauty of this thing. And one of the beauties of like old school conference when they set up conferences like it's sad. Now they would never have these games. The two teams probably wouldn't even play. It'd be three different. Le- it'd be three different leagues for NC State, North Carolina and Duke. <laughs> yeah, and right. they they and they'd be, have to be like an act of care, Congress in care, North Carolina to get them all to play. So, <laughs> right, yeah. that's why modern college athletics, like one of the greatest things in college athletics, is the triangle and, and Tobacco Road, the whole thing. And it's like the modern guy would be like, yeah, we we can't do that. Yeah, right. No, right. Exactly. Yeah, we, we don't yeah. want any of the good stuff. We'd rather have uh, you know Marquette in our league. That would fit better. <laughs> We'd get that. You know, this is it. it it's going to be great. As for Carolina. Hell no, you don't have to honor the other coach. No, it's not your job. I I, they, they, they made some announcement. I would have mispronounced his name and said a local man who's worked 42 <laughs> years at, at yeah. a job is retiring at the end. We wish him well in, re, re, in retirement. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Some 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 trolling little joke like that. Kind of funny. He'll bring, he's your arch rival. Yeah. No, that's you don't Hell have no. to kiss the ring. That's part of what that rivalry's always been about is not kissing the other guy's ring. You know, the K stuff has been a lot of fun at times, and it's a lot of a lot at times. Yes, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. And it's like, you know, I mean, the, the po- it was a postgame ceremony and it really was for Duke people. They televise it nationally. So it, it's not for me. Right. But, you know, there was a points where you just like, you know, and our grandkids sacrifice not having grandpa around <laughs> like what? I would have tra- I would have traded one last visit for my grandpa if he made a hundred million bucks. <laughs> Yeah, how about Final Four tickets, Grandpa? Yeah. I mean, I, I like my grandparents fine when they were alive, but wait, what you, I think the grandkids are pretty glad that Coach K kept working. Dude's gonna—they're gonna inherit so much money. Yeah, yeah. Sac- it's about family sacrifice. It's like a six-year-old in the in the thing. I'm like, I think that the six-year-old's doing all right. The one, the oldest one, got into Duke and is a bench warmer on the team. Right? Would you think you're gonna be a? Yeah, you think you're gonna be a a, a walk-on at Duke if you're? Not? Come on, that it got a it got a little it got a little thick there. I'm trying to be nice, okay? And I get it. It's family. The guy's 75, man. I mean, he's still yeah. working. Yeah. But yeah. I like Coach K, but yeah, there was a there was a moment or two where I was like, I yeah, it, was, it was a bit indulgent. I will say, yeah. I gotta say this too, though. Like after the ceremony and he did the press conference, he was great in the press conference after that. He really as he as he tends to be. He's smart and articulate and he was willing to talk about things. But even like before that, after he's just, you know, had this brutal loss, he walked in and like Jeff Goodman and I were over getting a Diet Coke, and he kind of walks up behind us and goes, You guys know where I'm supposed to go? 
like <laughs> laughed, you know, I mean, like, well, you kind of built this place. So we figure you know where you're going. But it's like I, that was even more like humor than I expected out of him in that situation. I think he was relieved to get it over. He said he was relieved to get it over because that had kind of taken on a life of its own. And now you can get on to try to win nine basketball games. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. All right. So one of the deals, um, I don't know if Duke can be a number one seed anymore. Think they can be a one seed? I don't know. That was a damaging loss from that standpoint. I think they're probably out of the mix for a number one. Okay. Not so a whole our, lot of ground to be able to make up in the ACC tournament. Right. Either. That's the thing. They're just not going to play very – they're not going to play teams that really help them. Or Auburn and Kentucky might play each other in the SEC, and that's going to be well, way yeah, better I mean, than anything yeah, like in the ACC. The top four in the ACC, in the SEC will all be playing good teams. You know, I mean, if, they, they'll, right. if the top teams all get to the semifinals, that's going to be good. Uh, same Big 12 – be very good. Big Ten be good, but all the Big Ten teams have beaten each other up too much. They're not going to get a number one seed. But Nebraska's going to win that, that tournament. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I was joking about that on Twitter after they beat uh, Ohio State for their second, the only time they've won two in a row in like three years. And uh, uh, now, hey, they've won three in a row all on the road and beat the team that was going to win the Big Ten by itself. They're the best 10 and 21 team we've ever seen, Dan Wetzel. <laughs> well, they may be. They may be. Didn't they? Didn't they try to figure out whether they're the best three and nine like football team last year? <laughs> yes, yes. They lost all their games really close. So they might be the best. So Nebraska's got that going for them. Nebraska has two things going for it. They lose. They, they're an impressive losing team, and they like to keep their losing coaches because they've already said they're keeping Hoiberg as well, along with Scott Frost. Yeah. As we know. Hoiberg uh, in that spot is uh, it. Um, all right, potential number one seeds: Gonzaga, Baylor, Arizona. Kansas, maybe Auburn or Kentucky. Duke was was a possible, but I think they're out. It was a big uh, story, non-story that they had requested to play. If they get, if they were a one seed, they requested to go to Chicago, not the closest geographical region, which would have been, I think, Philadelphia, yeah, or something, or New Orleans. Um, and people flipped out, but it was really nothing. It was nothing. Everybody gets to pick where they want to go. Uh, right? Does, does it matter? They- they canvassed everybody and said, if you are the overall number one seed, where would you like to go? Yeah, so they do it every year. Yeah, yeah, they do it every year. So, like, Gonzaga is going to choose San Francisco, right? Or, yep. you know, if Baylor would Dillon, choose San Antonio. Absolutely. Baylor yep. will choose. There you go. Baylor will choose San Antonio for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you're allowed to do that every every year. So, they, they canvass, you know, 10, 15 schools or whatever. Um, does it even matter who's one? We, you know, I make fun of the last four and last four out. Um, obviously, that does matter at the end. Uh, you're in or you're out. Does it even matter who's a one seed? Or I mean, um, it's a nice accomplishment for a program, but right. I think it only matters in two ways. One is that you know geographic proximity. Uh, you get first dibs, and you know if you look if you look out west, <clears throat> specifically Gonzaga, Arizona, maybe the top two teams overall. One of them's going to get the one seed out west, and the other one might get shipped. And might get shipped all the way across the country. Who knows? Um, so you want to be you want to play in San Francisco where you can get more of your fans there, and you're on your your natural time zone, or do you want to be you know gone to Philadelphia or Chicago or something? So that that's where it factors in there. Uh, and the other thing is of just the sheer mathematics of the unlikelihood of a number one seed losing in the first round. Only Virginia. Yeah. I mean, I think it matters if you're Baylor and you can play in San Antonio, Gonzaga to San Francisco. I mean, it's closer. Um, I mean, you're going to play your first two rounds in Portland. Arizona's right. going to go to San Diego, which isn't too bad. Yep. 
I mean, I think if you're Baylor and you're like, I'll take Fort Worth and San Antonio, that means a lot, especially for a school that recruits their their area so much. Yes, for sure. Um, they're not really a national recruiter. Though they, they, he did, he really just tries to get those Texas kids. So to get your to get in two two markets you want to be in. But yeah, I think a lot gets made of it, and it's cool, but it doesn't really. Matter. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I I think there's a lot of. We pay a lot of attention to stuff that doesn't matter, but this this should be a uh, this should be a fun week. We have the obviously there's all sorts of tournaments going on, but let's let's do the uh, let's do the big six. Let's make a prediction. All right, race okay. for the case basketball version. Race for the case basketball version. Whoever gets uh, the most correct, the other one has to buy beer. Especially if I go to New Orleans for the final four. <laughs> oh boy. Look out! I didn't know you were you were a possibility for that. I well, get ready. Is, I mean, if it wasn't in New Orleans, maybe not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ain't rushing to go to Houston, are you, Glendale? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just, you know, I'm mm. dedication to the company and content, content, Pat, content. <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't know. I got to do the Masters too, so it's right after. So a tough, tough spring for me. Tough spring. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let's pick them. All right. Who you got? Let's start. We'll go alphabetical. Yep. Corey, this always gets tough when you get into the bigs because alphabetical. Let's start. ACC. Who Who you got, Pat? Who's going to win? Uh, I've got Duke. I, I, I think they're by far the best team. They just got the refocusing they needed. Uh, if they were, if there was any chance they were going to go into Brooklyn, I believe they're playing Barclays uh, overconfident. Not now. Duke will be ready, and Duke will win. I would agree. I will take Duke also. Keep an eye out for Miami. They're sneaky. They are sneaky. They're sneaky and uh, could spring an upset. They're like a fearless, sneaky team. Sneaky and streaky. But uh, Duke just got (laughs) – I do not want to be the next team to play Duke. No. Whoever they're getting in the first round, I don't even know. Let's go to – so let's see. Big – I think we would go Big East would be the next. Right? Big East. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Big East. Who you got? Okay. Ah, oh, boy. I picked Villanova in the 40 minutes, but I'm going to pick Connecticut. I, I'm going to switch it up there and go UConn. I think Danny Hurley's good coach this time of year. They are tough, tough bunch. And uh, I think they're they're going to be primed to, to show up and show something there. Villanova might be looking ahead a little bit to the next tournament. And um, so I'm, I'm going to take – I'm taking UConn in the Big East. All right, I will take Villanova. No one is taking one seed Providence. Nope. Uh, I will take Villanova. Providence, yeah, it, like Providence earned their their thing, but man, they won so many close games. Yeah. Congrats on that. But yeah, I'll take Villanova. Villanova. All right, Big Ten is next, right? Yep. T-E. T-E over T-W. Yep. 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 Big Ten. Other than Nebraska, who you got? <laughs> I should take Nebraska just for fun. But um, this one's going to be wild, I think. There's just too many teams that are close to each other in one, you know, in terms of of accomplishment and talent and all that sort of thing. I am going to take Purdue, even though their defense sucks and even though they've been a little shaky down the stretch. But I am taking Purdue because they've got the best offense. You're going to have to score to win three games there. And uh, I'm rolling with the Boilermakers. I love this Big Ten because the top three or four, let's throw Iowa in there. All could win it. Wouldn't be surprised, right? Yep. The next four, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and even Rutgers can beat any of the top four. Yep. 
but they also all can lose to the next four. Right. <laughs> so it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, no. I mean, like if you tell me Michigan State or or even Michigan, if they get a jump coming back with uh, Juwan Howard back, like wins it or is in the final on that Sunday, I wouldn't be stunned. But they also could each lose by like twenty two points in the and you know like <laughs> yeah and like Rutgers who the hell knows what Rutgers is like you yeah. know so it's just a gonna be a fun one but I, I'm gonna go with the the I'm gonna go with Wisconsin they're gonna get uh, Johnny Davis back okay and so even with the uh, the loss of uh, the loss to Nebraska I will take uh, yeah I'll take I, the, I, the quarterfinals there are gonna be bonkers for the exact reason you said I mean. It could be any of the top eight that end up being in the final of that thing, I think. Yep. Big 12. Big 12. T.W. T.W. All right. I am taking Kansas, even though I will say right now that Baylor will go farther in the big tournament. Because I think Scott Drew's almost got a little Roy Williams in him where he, I do not think he gives a rip about the Big 12 tournament. Teams don't generally do very well there. Uh, Kansas generally does very well. They always have a massive home crowd because it's in Kansas City, uh, and they tend to crank it up and play well. And then, they, you know, they're good enough. They win. The, they usually win the regular season anyway. So uh, they're usually the best team, and they're often by far the best team at that tournament. Uh, but I will. So I will take the Jayhawks this week, but not thereafter. I will take Jay, Jayhawks. Also, they're getting that kind of home home court advantage. Um, but Scott Drew cares about everything, Pat. He's well, a very earnest man. <laughs> he is that. Do he not say Scott Drew doesn't care about something. <laughs> Good point. Good point. He probably wouldn't wouldn't cares like that. too much if anything. <laughs> cares too much. So that leaves us with the SEC, Pac twelve, no Pac twelve. I'm sorry, P P before us. Here the the alphabet version of the podcast. I scored a twenty three on my alphabet. Did not get Ivy League. Didn't take me. You're gonna. You're there. What do you got? Who you got? Arizona. I am here and. I think Arizona is awesome, but I think we're going to see UCLA hit the gear that we saw them in the postseason last year. Uh, so I, I'm going to say that they UCLA ratchets it back up. They've been a little kind of up and down. They've been injured, so we'll see if, what their health level is. But if they get everybody healthy, whether it's this one or the next one, I say look out for the Bruins. I, they, look out for both of them. They can both go to the Final Four, but I'm going to take UCLA in Vegas. Yeah, I'm taking Arizona. That's the best team out there. I'm not. I'm not hoping that UCLA gets it together. I am straight up. I am straight up taking Arizona to win this thing. They they look awesome. Uh, I don't. I um. We'll see. We'll see what we see this weekend. But I would not. They are on my short list as everyone's short list to uh, to win it all. Uh, terrific team. Uh, all right, Sully, getting to the SEC. Pat, who you got? I know who Sully's picking. Yeah, we know Sully's picking, uh, but this one, again, this should be a very, very fun tournament. Four really good teams, I think, in it, in Kentucky, uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, and I think I'd put them in that order in terms of what I expect out of them in the postseason. Auburn, incredible talent, athleticism, not playing that well down the stretch of anywhere but Auburn Arena, and so I, I suspect they, that show will not travel quite as well as it's been uh, previously. Uh, Kentucky. I'm going with Kentucky. Here's the one thing I've seen, Dan, watching a lot of SEC basketball this year is every team in that league basically will absolutely lose their mind at some point in a game, in a close game. 
and just do incredibly weird, dumb things, except Kentucky. Kentucky doesn't do that very much. I'm not saying they're completely immune, but they're less prone to it. They can finish games. Uh, they don't just completely inexplicably melt down. They don't totally lose focus. And they have the best player in the country, I think, in Oscar Shibwe. So I'm taking the Cats. I'm with you. Really? Oh, Sully. He says this is a reverse jinx. Yeah, yeah. He's reverse jinxing. He's reverse. Tennessee re- hasn't won the SEC title since 1979, and that's a reverse <laughs> jinx. Reverse jinx. True. <laughs> seriously, it's no reverse jinx. It is a they're they have they're snake bit in the SEC tournament. I will. I would see Tennessee win a national championship before they win an SEC tournament title. Wow. Okay. Well, keep, keep wow. You'll keep your vision deep in the horizon. <laughs> It is no, pretty crazy that they no had love those. Kennedy Chandler, Santiago Z- Viscovi, Josiah Zakai Jordan Ziggler. James. Yeah, I mean they got I'll, three point guards at any time on the floor. Yeah, um, so they can win it. I I am never picking Tennessee in the SEC title. They got depth. They got depth. Oh, they're good. But the, as you saw, like I said against Arkansas, uh, they're very streaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we saw the good Tennessee team in the first half, and then you see. What can happen, and that, that'll bite you come March. Well, unlike Sully, I like this team, but I'm picking the C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats. Mm-hmm. Big blue. Sorry. Yep. Kind of uninspired, sure. Uh, all <laughs> I, reasons see, I think Arkansas has a shot, too. I really like Arkansas. I'm, I know That's that. That's going to be great, great semi- quarters and semis. Semis yeah. are terrific in that. Well, that, you know, that tournament – was so Kentucky dominated forever until yeah. Arkansas joined the league. And then in the 90s, it was awesome because there was a battle for tickets and it was loud as hell when they would play each other and it was Nolan against Rick. And then Nolan left and Arkansas faded. And uh, now they're back. And I think it's going to be a really, that really helps when you have a fan base specifically that will stand up to Kentucky and create some real atmosphere. How about Patino saying he was not a candidate at Maryland? Funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in just case tro- anybody was wondering no i'm not just trolling people at this point <laughs> okay thank you all right um he's also not a candidate for president for the democratic or republican nomination well we'll see so you don't have to declare yet all right here's a little bit of college football news kirk herbstreet sort of the face of college football if you will i don't know at least broadcasting omnipresent on the various ESPN platforms, is uh, still going to do college football, but he is also taking a job as the Thursday night football NFL analyst for Amazon. Amazon will be broadcasting the Thursday night games. Uh, That's going to bring a pile of money to uh, NBC or to the NFL. I'm sorry. NFL. I'm really not sure how that'll work, though. I think the rating uh, just... It's hard to get people to tune in for stuff. Uh, but anyway, Herbie's Herbie's double dipping because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure he's just trying to make the knock out the mortgage down there, Nashville and, and, and scrap by. So I'm happy he found a second job. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have not announced a play by play guy. I wonder whether it'll be Chris Fowler. I mean, do you bring Chris Fowler in along with him? Uh, does this going to mean we're going to get a little less Herb Street? In college football, some fans would enjoy that. Others won't. I think he goes out of his way to be fair and informed. Obviously, you're never going to please everyone or, like my career, please no one. (laughs) Certainly does better than me. 
or is he just going to have to cut back on all the commercials he's in? What, what's going to happen here? Great question. Um, and yeah, I, I think I would love to know what level of agreement ESPN is in with this. Uh, and I mean, Herbie, he was already keeping just a breakneck schedule. Uh, you know, I mean, doing the game day set and then doing a game in primetime, whether it was there or not, you know, and flying across the country and I mean, it's a private jet. I know, but it's that's a hard, long day now. I mean, mm. hey, I've done enough TV. It's a hard, long, pain-in-the-ass day to be, first of all, you know, they they want you there like two days beforehand, doing all the interviews and everything, going, they grind very hard over all the segments. They work very hard on that show. I've seen them prepare, yes. Yeah, and you got to be on the set early you know you growth go through that and then boom you're on a jet and you're going somewhere else and you, then you got to do a call a game it's going to end at midnight so you've started your day at 6 a.m you're finishing at midnight in a different city and Sleep then you on get a plane yeah i gotta hope so but. i don't know i mean it's not there's a lot of look at i don't think sports media we work that hard no so but i turn think around is he's got all the advanced limousines and like yeah. car serve i mean let's not i'm just saying it's a grind 15 weeks a year Calling that the games and doing the morning show, and now if you're going to add the NFL on top too, I just I wonder if something needs to go. So we'll see how that all goes down, and I'm sure he's making an absolute pile of cash, and good for him for that. Yeah, I mean the amount of money is just yeah. yeah. I you know I I don't know whether we've discussed this before or not, but I kind of think we had. But I, you know I it's the NFL. I don't think people tune in for the broadcasters. They may either like them or get annoyed by them, but I don't think anybody says, I'm not watching that game because I don't like Kirk Herbstreet or I am watching that game because I like Kirk Herbstreet. It's the NFL. You're going to watch. I would say, I mean, you could have a trained chimpanzee doing it. But the so Manny Haas is probably the closest thing we got right now to somebody tuning in. Like, Who, I, there's a lot got, of Monday Night Football. And they got no, the a million and right. a half. Right. That's all they got. Uh, I actually was on Charles Robinson's NFL podcast, You Pod to Win the Game. And uh, we discussed this, and I just think this is insane. They're paying, they're paying Troy Aikman uh, like $17.5 million to broadcast <laughs> one game a week. Wow. When have you ever sat there and said, oh, big NFL Sunday, uh, awesome, I got time to watch the games. Hey, what game's Aikman calling? <laughs> That's what I'm going to watch. No, you go, oh, crap, Mahomes is playing. Good, I'll watch, I'll tune into that. Like, I don't think, I think if you just have basic, competent people. Right. Right. Like that's 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 good enough. You don't want a bad broadcast. No. OK. You don't want a bad broadcast, but you don't want it like the idea that anyone's tuning in to hear Herb Street or or Aikman or even Romo after a little bit or any of them. I just like you don't see you don't see the like the Super Bowl ratings change demonstrably or games. It just doesn't happen. So I, I always think this is a complete waste of money. I, I It's all ego and. And then the halftime shows are even worse. Like, I think if you have a good, solid, like a Sean McDonough, right. like just really good at broadcasting a game. Absolutely. It's all yes. you really need. You don't need yeah. to have $17 million. Sean McDonough or people like that, or Chris Fowler, who I love, Mike Tirico, right. get you all the facts and figures and stuff as it's happening and add a little bit of gravitas to certain plays or situations and that sort of thing and then otherwise yeah it's you know then okay the analyst church chimes in every once in a while with something what what do you need yeah, they, they i mute a somewhere. lot of games these days a lot of games it's uh it's 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they pay these guys so much, particularly for the NFL, but they do. Uh, good, good for them. But man, I mean, for that kind of seventeen million dollars for Troy Aikman, it's incredible. I'd love just, to see. I wonder if there's market research that in any way backs up doing that. I don't know. Like you said, like the Mannings went with their whole thing. They still only were getting like a million and a half people watching. Right. Um, I was one of them, but and I don't know. That's, oh, that's, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. And that was something fresh and new and totally different. Most analysts aren't going to be fresh, new and different. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Um, I got this story here. No good deed goes unpunished. An Indiana boy, a teenager, this is Indianapolis, a teenager scaled a tree at an Indianapolis park to rescue a cat he spotted up high in the branches that was stuck. Okay. The classic cat stuck in a tree story. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not okay. So he climbs up there to get the cat and he gets stuck himself. Oh, the teen identified in the release only as Owen told firefighters he was trying to do a good deed and bring the cat to safety. While Owen had no trouble climbing the tree, his positioning did not allow the same ease for getting down to the firefighting uh, spokeswoman. Do you, do you believe the story? Do you think he took a cat up there to try to get some pub? <laughs> Why is a cat climbing way up in a tree? I don't. Cats because do that cat, shit. It happens all the time. Yeah, Does cats, it really? Yeah. Does it? Yeah, yes. cats do that. Cats get caught in trees all the time. They're interested in squirrels and birds and stuff, and you got to go where they are if you want to try to catch one and eat it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Dan Wetzel, I, I, even by your standards, that's a rather cynical take. You think I, the kid invented it, took the cat He drugged there. the cat up there with him? <laughs> I have that's... questions, Owen. Who are you? <laughs> He What's the motive? Th- what did he want to see a nice bright red fire truck come and save him? <laughs> 35 feet out. I mean, he's not using his name, so it's not like for really for pub. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's like trying to get like girls at school to talk to him. Like, hey, man, I saved that cat. 35 <laughs> feet. Peeping Tom, peeping Owen. Are you trying to spy on somebody's window or something? I don't oh, know. Well, that's, now you're just throwing. Just well, now that you, you've, you've dragged us all into this world of suspicion. Poor Owen, yeah. just trying to do a good deed out there. Trying to All turn right. him into Bluto. <laughs> now, I want to update a story that we did last uh, fall, I believe. There was a, a lawsuit at the U.S. Uh, court out of Chicago by an aggrieved woman who uh, uh, was upset that uh, there was not enough strawberries in the Pop-Tart, <laughs> oh, strawberry yeah. Pop-Tart. <laughs> yep. Stacy yep. uh, Chiapetta said Kellogg's defrauded shopter, shoppers with a deceptive packaging for its unfrosted strawberry Pop-Tarts, which contain red food dye that she said makes the filling brighter and more appealing. Uh, but there's a big picture of a strawberry, said it was uh, misleading because uh, it contains less than 2% of the Pop-Tart is a dried strawberry <laughs> in addition to dried apples and pears. So uh, Ms. Chiapetta was quite upset about this and filed a lawsuit. Um, we discussed this, of course. I think we did a people's court did. on this. I think we did. Which side did you come down on, Pat? Oh, gosh. I'm trying I to remember. I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I was outraged one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, I've not tracked uh, our people's court decisions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, we we like need, to have a, the case. need to get well, an Excel page going on that. Well, Marvin Aspen, who is an actual United States district judge, has made his ruling. Has he? Yes, no reasonable consumer could believe that Kellogg's packaging that the breakfast staple contained only strawberries or more strawberries and other ingredients such as pears and apples. 
quote, the word strawberry combined with the picture of half of a strawberry and a Pop-Tart oozing red filling does not guarantee that there will be a certain amount of strawberries in the product's filling. <laughs> Aspen Rose. <laughs> Ruling in favor of Big Tart. <laughs> Big Tart It wins. is. Big Tart wins. Yes. This is the funniest Poor thing ever. Miss Schiapetta takes, it, takes an L. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kellogg, man, looking at the lawsuit. Oh, my goodness. Hysterical. Kellogg Sales Company, a.k.a. Defendant, manufactures, distributes, markets, labels, and sells toaster pastries purporting to contain filling only from only strawberries, quote, unfrosted strawberry Pop-Tarts or product. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> if you are the lawyer and she comes to you with this, are you just seeing like, Billable hours, dollar signs in your head thinking, I can't believe well, somebody's lost. this stupid. Well, yeah, but you at least got the case. Yeah, uh, yeah, you lost money. I mean, you're trying to get one third of the settlement and yeah. you're hoping to like win. I don't know. I would, but I, I would say, I would tell Miss Schiapetta, it's going to take me 100 hours to put this together at whatever my hourly rate is. Well, Kellogg's won. Yeah. Uh, this is Chiapetta's lawyer, Spencer Sheehan. That's yeah. Said in an guy. email to I don't know whatever this is the Daily Mail. Daily uh, Mail. I expect I expect that many of these types of cases may be dismissed. That does not mean the labeling is not misleading. Oh, holding on. <laughs> um, she's Sheehan has filed three other lawsuits, or he I don't know Spencer. I guess it's a he. Um, against Kellogg's over the frosted strawberry, the whole grain frosted strawberry, and the frosted chocolate fudge Pop-Tart. What's the problem there? Not I don't, chocolate? I don't, it doesn't contain fudge, probably. <laughs> the law firm Perkins Coy defends companies against that. This is an actual business. 325 proposed class action suits were filed in 2020 again, 2021 against the food and beverage industry. Really? Uh, up from 221 a year before. It's the fourth <laughs> straight year of an annual increase. I get I get I would read an oral history on that because I feel like the first one that really started it was the person that sued McDonald's because the, their the coffee, coffee was, was coffee was hot. Yeah. And now we have three hundred of them a year. <laughs> See, I suspect we went from 221 to 325 because it was the pandemic and people were so bored out of their minds. They did things like read the ingredients on their food and said, hey, wait a minute. There's not enough strawberries in my Pop-Tart. Yeah, I think they people got too much time on their hand. The Pop-Tart was first introduced in 1964. This is interesting. Months after Kellogg's competitor Post, Post Cereal, introduced its own rival toaster. Pay. It couldn't be a rival, its own. Its own toaster pastry known as Country Squares. Hmm. Huh. A little history but, uh, there. Yeah, but well. the Pop-Tart just decimated the Country Square market. <laughs> yeah, Pop-Tart dominated that. Just out, I will I say, you know what? Country Square. Things that were introduced in 1964 are great things. I was introduced in 1964. Oh, yeah. I, myself wow. and the Pop-Tarts, we've gone on to have a great run. Uh, Pop-Tart had a, a very popular animated a commercial featuring an animated toaster named Milton. <laughs> That's what won them the Pop-Tart War. Really? Milton. <laughs> is this all, is this Daily Mail background here? We the DailyMail.com never fails. <laughs> the American media does crap on this. The Daily Mail is there. This country, I mean, we got Ukrainians like throwing rocks at tanks to fight for their freedom, and we're suing over freaking Pop Tarts. 
That's, uh, that's an apple and a pear dyed red. I am outraged. <laughs> These guys just sent a tomahawk missile into my apartment building. I am outraged. Uh, so and so didn't shake my hand in the uh, pregame. Uh, <laughs> Uh, are you oh, saying God. we're a little soft in this country, Dan? As someone who once fought a fought a battle over desks and hotel rooms, <laughs> yes. Then I'm part of the problem. Uh, okay. All right. Finally, finally, mercifully, a for effort on these guys. Uh, border agents. Uh, oh, let's just put it this way: a smuggler. This is the New York Post. Another favorite. A smuggler attempted to cross the Mexican-U.S. border with a giant stash of metamphetamines disguised as onions, leaving federal officials impressed with the creativity of the alleged subterfuge. Has anybody seen Bill Raffery in any time soon? <laughs> when you hear Raff this weekend talk about onions, yeah. onions. <laughs> they took the meth, wrapped it up real tight so it looked like an onion, like a white onion. Mm. Look at these pictures. Okay. Then put them in huge onion bags, so it looks like like <laughs> pallets of onion. Really? Holy, uh, three million dollars worth of meth! Oh. I would think it would be worth more. Whoa, one thousand one hundred ninety-seven packages of meth packed oh amongst real. Gosh. Oh, there were also real onions in there. <laughs> well, okay. It weighed would... thirteen hundred and thirty-six pounds of meth is worth three two point nine million. Wow. Boy, they're getting a good deal on that. My prices are way <laughs> higher. Inflation is out of control on the meth market. Said the uh, border agent people, this is not only a clever attempt to try to smuggle in narcotics, one I haven't seen before, but also time-consuming to wrap narcotics into these small packages designed to look like onions. Oh, three million. Yeah, right. For $3 million, I would take care and take my time, too. Uh, the canine dogs at the at the Border Patrol were not. Uh, uh, not see, that's that, that was where I think the onions might throw them off if you put them, you know, the onion odor. But got to try harder <laughs> to beat the dogs. The dogs got them. 46-year-old driver has been arrested in hand. Yeah, he's, mm. he's facing. 40- a <laughs> little takes- leniency, Judge. Yeah. <laughs> Three million? No. Yeah. Incredible. It did take some onions to try that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Send it in, Jerome. <laughs> Raph. Story for Raph. It's March. This is March. That's what you have to say. That's a very important people in college. That's right. It. This is March. That's right. important. Uh, all right. Enjoy the games uh, as it goes on. We'll be back Thursday for more and uh we'll figure out how we're covering the nsa basketball tournament too we, yeah. uh, it takes long-term planning we haven't done that yet i'll be i'll be podcasting from my bed yet again uh thursday yeah, again too much information <laughs> too much information stay away from that blanket and that suede thing <laughs> vegas is a horrible place uh yeah it's a new it's a new hotel i, I mean that people would matter. have to try it hard to find out yeah yeah <laughs> they try hard that's the <laughs> thing <laughs> It's Vegas. They try hard. (laughs) Great point. Talk to y'all later.